Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good, good. I like the energy in this room. Um, I love when I get the opportunity to be here with your community. I think I've probably been here maybe three times, once with my husband um, and then two on my own. And I just would say this, like our church, our community loves watching, you know, we mostly watch through social media on Instagram, but when we talk to Daniel and Kayla, just what God is doing here in your community. Um, Daniel and Kayla are so special to us. There was probably a group of like four couples that we all planted here, planted churches here in the Bay Area within a year of each other. Um, and it's been such an incredible encouragement to my husband and I to stay in relationship um, and just to share life with these four couples and see what God is doing. So I probably said this last time I was here too, but I will say it again. I don't know that anyone makes my husband laugh like Daniel does. And now my 15-year-old son as well. So most of the time when you're on the phone with Clint, you're on speaker and Henry's listening or Henry hears a lot of your conversation later. But um, today, like Daniel said, we're kind of in this second week of the series, You'll Be Glad You Did. Is there like a muffling with my mic or is it just me? Do you hear it? Hold it higher and it'll be better or lower. Okay. All right. Maybe if it's not bothering you, I'm good. But anyway, um, second week of this series, You'll Be Glad You Did. And I love this concept. I love what Daniel said, like about your future self. Your future self will look back and be glad you did. But all of us have been in this situation before where we've had an opportunity. We've had maybe this choice before us. And on the other side of it, once we've made a decision, we look back and we're like, I'm so glad I did. I had one of these opportunities a little over a year ago, and we had some friends of ours call and say, hey, we're going to Maui for five days. Just get your plane tickets. Get yourself there. We'll take care of everything else. Like, how can you say no to that, right? We're going to try something else here. All right, let's, is that on? Is this better? Okay, great. Um, so how can you say no? But we looked at our calendar, and our calendar started to say no for us. And we're like, okay, we can go two and a half days of those five days. And so then we're in this decision of like, do we go? Is it worth it? That's a quick trip. If you've ever taken the Strength Finders test, responsibility is number one on mine. And so people love that I have responsibility because I'll get stuff done for them. I don't love it. It's like the burden, right? And so um, I am like, is this the responsible choice to make with our time? with our finances, taking our kids out of school, blah, blah, blah. I have myself all in a worry. And finally, we're like, yes, it is the responsible thing to do. Like, it has been a hard season, two and a half days. We found good tickets. We are going for it. So we go on this trip, and I will tell you, at the end of this two and a half days, I was so glad I did. And here's why. One, it's Maui. And then, like, why wouldn't you be glad? So that was an easy one. The second is this. Okay, my friend Julie decided one day that she's going to book a private paddleboard tour for her, myself, and my 17-year-old daughter. And so we're going to go out. We have a guide. We're going to go snorkeling and kind of paddle around. But what I didn't know, well, I did know when we got there that it was whale season. And I, one thing you need to know, I love whales. I don't know why I can go sit on the coast for like hours and look out and try to see if we can see blowholes or any breaching. I'm not good on the whale tour trips because I just vomit the whole time. But I watch the videos, I watch the reels, and I love it. And so our guide says like, we're just going to paddle out today and we're going to see if we can see some whales. And so I'm so excited. We're paddling out. We're going. And then at one point he's like, yeah, I don't usually paddle out this far. I'm not sure how I feel about that, but we're still paddling out. We're sitting 
sitting on the water and we're watching. I think we see, like we see a couple way off in the distance, but we're looking to see if we see any around us. And he has this microphone that he drops in the water so that you can hear sounds of the whales. You can hear him singing, know if they're there. So we're listening. After a while of paddling further and further out, he's like, okay, let's head back. We're going to do some snorkeling today. So we start to head back and all of a sudden we hear this sound. And I literally looked at everyone on the water and everyone just stopped and we're like, what is that noise? And it is the singing of whales. It was so loud. It was the most beautiful thing. And so we're like, we're going to paddle towards the whales. So we start paddling to where we think the sound is. Long story short, we end up on our paddle boards right over two humpback whales. We can literally see their outline below us underneath the water. So I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So I've never felt this. I was so excited and like, what is happening right now? And so scared out of my mind at the same time. All of a sudden, I'm envisioning all these videos and reels. You've seen them where the whale comes up, doesn't even know, like the boat or the paddleboard is there and knocks you off of it. Or the one, have you seen the one with the kayak where the whale like takes the bite out of the kayak? Gets, I think he spits the person out. So hopefully it's fine. But it's like, I'm just envisioning this out there. And, and what I had told the guide when we got out there. I'm like, if we see a whale today, like I can die and go to heaven. That is all I need. Well, all of a sudden they're below us. And I'm like, I do not want to die and go to heaven today. I'm like, I didn't mean that when I said that. I'm like, God, I take that back. I did not mean that. I don't want to go to heaven today. And so like my paddleboard would drift from the guide and I would like get, try to get back close to him. I'm looking at my 17 year old. Like I have done enough for you. You are on your own. Like I'm serious. Like you're almost out of high school. You're good. If something happens, like I am paddling for sure. I hope you make it. But anyway, so we're sitting there and all of a sudden I see these bubbles in front of our guide's kayak. And yes, he's in a kayak. He has way more protection than we do on our paddleboard with our legs dangling over. But these bubbles are right in front of his kayak and these two whales breach right in front of him. I have never seen anything so majestic in my life. I had to go back and tell my husband, our wedding day, sorry, just moved down on like the greatest days of my life. I had to tell my kids, four of them, your births, they've moved down. Like this was the greatest day of my life. We end up like following them when they go back down. Our guide was like, they usually go down for like 15 minutes. We sit there again over them, which is probably dumb again. And we get to see them breach again. But this was an experience where I was like, I had all this worry and stress over this trip. And I was so glad I did it. And so, I want to repeat it. I don't know how I'll ever do that in my life. But so today we're talking about the idea of worry in this series. And I would wonder what it would be like if we would apply that same concept to worry in our life. What are the choices that we can step into? What are the different ways that God might have for us to live when it comes to our worry that on the other side, our future self, like Daniel said, would say, I am so glad I did. Now, I would say this. I always want to preface with this. When I talk about worry and anxiety, this has been a battle of mine. Whether you're in this room or you're online, I never want it to feel like whatever we're talking about today is a quick fix. I never want anyone to feel shame or guilt that this is something that you battle. I think I had that in my life for a long time. I somehow received the message, and I've talked about this here before, but if you struggle with worry or anxiety, you don't have faith, 
I'm like, I love Jesus. I have faith in Jesus. But this has been a struggle for me since I was young. And so today, maybe you feel like I worry, I struggle with worry. Maybe you're a person that likes to refer to your worry as stress or concern. That feels a little more noble than admitting that you battle worry. But worry is so prevalent. And the same with anxiety. Like we are watching anxiety and mental health disorders grow so rapidly in our world, in our community, especially with our kids and our students. And I believe God has a different way for us to live. God has freedom for us. I love that we start with these songs about the victory that God has for us because that's my prayer for you today is that you would experience that. I do want to take a moment and just briefly like use some basic definitions to talk about the difference between worry and anxiety. And because today I am going to refer more to worry, but the two are connected and I believe um, the truths and the concepts that we're going to talk about today can actually help you find freedom from both worry and anxiety. So we're just going to start with some simple ideas from the Harvard Health Review and it says this, it says that worry is actually a component of anxiety symptoms. Anxiety has three main components, emotional, physiological, and cognitive. Emotional are the feelings of fear or dread we experience. Physiological are the bodily symptoms that we might feel. Like for me, when I get anxious, it's like a racing heart or I feel like I can't breathe. It might be a, a tightness in your stomach for you. I don't know what it is, but it's what we feel in our body. And then the cognitive is where, where our worry and our negative thoughts come in. So like I said, I believe everything we talk about today will apply to both worry and anxiety. But I will say this, if you battle um, chronic or clinical anxiety, if it's something that feels debilitating, if you have someone in your life like this where it almost feels so hard to function, I would always, always encourage a counselor or a therapist that you're sitting and talking with a doctor that can help with medication. Um, all of this is a part of how God wants to bring freedom to your life. So here's the choice that I'm asking each of us to make today to consider, and the choice is to turn towards our worry. I think anytime there's a struggle in our lives, there's a hard thing in our lives, it's like our first human nature response is to turn away from it, to avoid it, to escape. I don't know what your escape mechanisms are, to be super busy with work, lots of Netflix, whatever it might be, um, that we escape or we just try to ignore and pretend like it's not there. And today what I'm asking us to do is to look head on into our worry, to turn towards it. And this comes from this kind of concept that has been super impactful in my family's life and the life of our church over the last six months. We've been talking about this a lot. And this idea comes from a study that was done on the plains of Kansas, and it's a study between buffalo and cows. And just stay with me because you're like, what the heck does this have to do with worry in my life? But the study was this. It realized that these two animals have a very different way of responding when a storm comes. So the cows, when they know a storm is coming, they can feel it, they can sense it, they turn away from the storm and they walk in the other direction. The buffalo, on the other hand, turn towards the storm and head right into it. And here's what actually ends up happening. Yes, the buffalo goes straight into the storm, and you're like, I don't know if that's the best idea. But what happens is the buffalo get to the other side and experience the clear blue skies much faster. 
The cows, on the other hand, are walking in front of the storm, and the storm eventually catches up with them, and they just end up walking with it and staying in it for a lot longer. And so I believe that there's power that God offers healing and freedom when we turn towards the hard things in our lives. And so that's what I'm going to ask you to do with today, because when it comes to our worry, it's like we want to get to the other side. I think some people, some of us maybe are in this room or watching, and it's like we've given up that there's another side, that there's another way. We think like that this is just the way life is, and there's always going to be these things that, that hang over us and bring worry and bring anxiety into our lives. So here's what I want to do before we go any further. It might feel awkward. I don't know if you've done this before, but I'm going to ask you to plant both of your feet firmly on the ground right where you're sitting. I'm going to ask you just to put your hands in your lap, close your eyes, and we're going to do a little deep breathing together. I believe this removes distraction from us, and I will say in my journey with worry and anxiety, we do not breathe enough. This is something that Clint and I will do with each other now. Um, when one of us feels like we're getting stressed or anxious, sometimes if I'm not in a great place, I'm like, you breathe yourself, okay? I'm not going to breathe with you. So this might feel a bit awkward, but it's like, I just want you to take a deep breath in. As deep as you can. Hold it for a second. And I want you to breathe out. I want you to breathe in. And breathe out. There's sometimes that I practice this and I breathe in and I remind myself of truth. God, you have good things for me. And I breathe out that I don't want to handle it on my own. Maybe you breathe in a truth and you breathe out a lie. I just want to pray for us for just a moment. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray that even as we sit here today and take some deep breaths, God, that our hearts would be open that we would realize as we breathe in, God, that you have so much good for us. You have a better way for us, God. There's freedom on the other side that you are continually calling us to. And today, um, wherever we are at right now in our journey, our story with you, I pray that we would hear you speak to us. In your name we pray, amen. So let me just read a couple statements about worry to you. Worry is faith in the negative, trust in the unpleasant, assurance of disaster, and belief in defeat. Worry is wasting today's time to clutter up tomorrow's opportunities with yesterday's troubles. And this is a great visual. Emma Bombeck says, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but never gets you anywhere. And so maybe one of those statements resonates with you today. Maybe you didn't need to be reminded that here that like worry is a waste of our time and our energy. It's draining us. We know that, right? If we're battling this, we know that it's draining us of our joy, our peace, our energy. And I would say this, like maybe you just take a minute and identify what does worry look like for you. For some, it's very circumstantial. It's seasonal. For some of us, it feels like it's a way of life. It's how we operate. It's how we just get through. For some, maybe you would say, like, I've been predisposed to this since I was at a young age. And like I said earlier, maybe for some of you, you don't want to admit that you have worry. But maybe there's times in your life that you can begin to identify. I know this is when, when worry creeps in. Like I said, no quick fix today, but my prayer is that you will feel safety to consider a few thoughts and practices that may help you move forward in more freedom. So we're going to start, and we're going to look at a scripture in the book of Matthew that if you've been in the church for 
any period of time, you've probably heard the scripture before, but here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to be very intentional with the lens through which you read the scripture this morning. I believe that we gather along the way lenses that we read scripture through, and we may not even realize it. Maybe you've been reading scripture through a lens of judgment. Maybe somewhere along your journey, you've read scripture through a lens of guilt or shame or feeling like you don't measure up. Maybe you've read scripture through a lens of feeling like God is distant and God is not involved in your life. Those are just some possible lenses to consider that maybe that's how you approach scripture. And it might be a block from really understanding what God wants to speak to you. So here's the lens. It's almost like we're going to put on a new pair of glasses today. I just broke mine this morning when I was here. It's fine. They're cheap reading glasses. I have like 20 of them. But anyway, maybe you put on like this intentional lens today. And as we read these scriptures, I want you to put on the lens of God's deep, deep, profound love for you. Like a love that we don't even, like, we can't even compare it necessarily to anything here on earth. A God who has such deep care and concern for what is weighing on you, what is heavy in your life, what you're walking through in this season. And so that's how I want you to approach this. Because here's what is true. God talks about worry over and over in the scripture, over 365 times. You know what that tells me about a God who loves me? It tells me that he knew. Like, he's not shocked. He doesn't look at you in disappointment. He knew that in this world, as we walk this world, that we would be plagued by worry. He knew that this could be something that would be deeply rooted in some of our lives. And he's saying, I have a better way. I know this is something that is a battle, but I have freedom from you for you. He knew that worry would drain us, like I said, of our energy, our joy, our peace. It would keep us from seeing what is good and beautiful right in front of us. Have you ever experienced something in life where you're like, why wasn't I always experiencing this? Like this new thing, like this new way you add to your life, and you're like, why wasn't I living this way all the time? How many people have an electronic deadbolt on their door? Anybody where you just punch a code in? Anybody? Raise your hand. Just, just a few. I'm telling you, I just did this this week. We did it. It will change your life. It will change your life. Go home today. If you learn anything today, go home and get an electronic deadbolt for your door, okay? Especially if you have kids, because I cannot tell you the amount of energy and money and time that we have wasted locking ourselves out. I don't even know how we do that. Locking our children out. They forget the key. We forget that we're not going to overlap. We're going to be late. They're locked out. So my neighbor to the left has a key. My neighbor around the corner has a key. My mom who lives in Sacramento Menno has a key. It's like the money I've spent on duplicating keys, and those people have lost the keys, so I've had to make them again. My husband has climbed to the second story window. He has broken our kitchen window, like trying, thinking he can slide it open, and it's shattered. Like the amount of energy we have spent. I am pretty sure half of San Ramon has a key to my house, so it's not even like we can just leave it unlocked. This week, we got an electronic deadbolt. No more keys. We're like punching in the code. My 10-year-old son just does it over and over. We hear it locking and unlocking. He thinks it's the coolest thing. But it's like all of a sudden I'm like, why didn't we have this a long time ago? Well, I think if we look at the scripture in Matthew today, there's some ideas in here. Maybe we've just read over it. Maybe we've thought, that sounds nice. But it's like, I believe today if we apply some of these truths to our lives, that we'll be like, why wasn't I living this way all the time? 
our phrase, you'll be so glad you did. So here's the context in Matthew. The people that um, Jesus is speaking to here are overtaxed. They're oppressed by the Roman Empire. There's political unrest. There's injustice. There's poverty. Sound familiar? Just like our world, there is much to worry about because I am not up here today telling you that all the hard things will go away and I'm for sure not telling you that there's not things that maybe we have a legitimate reason to worry about but God is saying there's a different way. I have a friend this week and she's telling me about her kids and trying to get them to um, watch the language that they're using and the phrases that they're using and that they're picking up at school and not trying to like judge or talk down about the people that might be using this language. She's just using this phrase I think there's a better way to say that. Some of the words, I'm like, that's real creative. What's your better way? But anyway, there's a better way to say that. And Jesus is saying, there's a better way to live. And so we look at Matthew 6, 25. Yes. And I hope, like, that's what I want us to experience today. Matthew 6, 25. I'm going to just read through this. And it says this. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? I love the questions that Jesus poses just for us to consider. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon and all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today, thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly, certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. In other words, these are the thoughts of people that don't know how much I love them. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Here's the verse that I'm always like, how does that not cause more worry? We'll talk about it. But it says, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So as we look at that scripture, like God is saying, like, this world, as long as you're on this side of heaven, it's like we're not going to be exempt from hard things. We know there's hard, dark things in our world. But God is saying, I have a way for you to live in freedom. So what do we do? Why is it so important for us to turn towards our worry, and how do we do that? So I'm going to ask us first to acknowledge a few key truths. And the first is this, is that worry is a battle. It just is. And I would love us, if this is you, to move from using the phrase, and I do this myself, that I struggle with worry. Struggle feels a little more passive to me. It feels like something is being done to me that I can't control. And I know when you're battling worry or anxiety, like it does feel that way. But instead of saying that I struggle with worry, what would happen if we say, I, I battle with worry? Like battle to me means I'm ready to show up to the fight because I know that God is with me. I know what we talked about at the beginning, that the battle belongs to God. He is with me in this battle. And I show up ready with the right tools. And here's what I will tell you. 
even if we use that phrase struggle, we're battling. It's what we are battling. I don't know about you, but my inbox and my email is inundated with um, articles about how you can expand your energy, how you get more energy. It's like we've realized as the human race, like we can't do anything to create more time. So it's all about how do I have more energy so I can get more done faster, whatever that is. But it's like we're spending so much energy, and I believe often we're battling the wrong thing. Because what we're doing with worry is it's a battle of control. I have a choice. God has given every single one of us a choice, and the choice is who do we give control to? And oftentimes when we sit in worry and we're like trying to come up, like we imagine every what-if scenario and we want to be prepared for it. And I think in my number one responsibility that I'm responsible if I'm laying out every what-if plan and what could happen and I have an answer for it, that's not mine to carry. And so a lot of times it's like we don't even realize it when we're in worry and we're taking the control ourselves, we are fighting against without even realizing what God wants to do in our lives. And again, don't hear this as shame. Like that is our natural human nature. And it's like showing up to the battle means that I am choosing to give the God of the universe who cares so deeply, I'm choosing to give him control. So I remove that battle and determine that I am giving the control to God. And here's, what, here's where my battle is. My battle is to understand that I need to show up ready to fight because there is a real enemy in our world. Scripture tells us that the enemy, his purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's trying to rob us of our time, of our energy, of our joy, of our peace. But Jesus says, like, I am in this battle with you, and I have freedom for you. So that's our first acknowledgement. The second is this, is that worry is based on a lie. If we go back to that scripture, aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? There's two core lies that we often believe and live out of that are being addressed here. It's a lie of worth and a lie of trust. The first lie is we don't matter enough to God. Not enough for him to be concerned with what I'm concerned about. Our worry is telling us and making us believe that God doesn't care or God is not involved in the things that are weighing heavy on us. The second lie is God cannot be trusted. Worry tells us that I should trust myself and what I can accomplish and what I can manage and what I can make happen in my life, in my time, way more than I should trust God. That that we can be trusted with our lives more than the God who created it all. But at the same time in these scriptures that maybe we just read over and think sound nice, our truths to battle these lies are right here in the scripture. And truth number one is you are of utmost value to me. That's what Jesus is speaking to the people and he's speaking to us. He's saying, look at how I care for the birds of the field and the flowers that fade. And you are the one that is made in my image. You are my child. Do you know how much more I care about you? You are my beloved. Maybe if anything today, that's just what needs to sink in, that you are his beloved. Truth number two is that he can be trusted. Your father knows every need you face. And I guarantee you have a list of that right now. 
And his might be even longer, or it just might be different. But he's like, I know your needs. I know them before you know them. I see the future. I see way more than you can see. And I can be trusted. This is why we are taught to pray, give us this day our daily bread. God can be trusted with today, and we don't have to worry about tomorrow. Again, it's not that we won't face hard things, but God is telling us, do not fear. I am in control. You are of so much value to me. Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Today you might be worried about the future. These last three years have been hard. And a lot of us look out at our world and we're like, They've been hard, and I don't know that it's getting any better. Sometimes we feel that way. Some of you are carrying such a worry in this present day in our world over finances and fear that you will have enough. Some of you are single, and the worry that you will be alone is what plagues you. Some of you are worried about hard conversations and difficult relationships that you're in, and you're moving more into isolation instead of letting God work in those relationships. Most of us, if we have kids, think there's no way to ever be free of worry. And here's why. Well, because they're hard. But here's why. It's because we're carrying all their happiness and success on our shoulders. And God is like, they're mine. Like, that's the only way you will ever experience freedom from worry. Some of you really are worried as you walk through, like, the hardest season you've ever been in. I've been on the phone with friends in these last couple weeks and the health diagnosis that they are facing or family members are facing and they feel like they're sinking. Maybe that's you today. But God is saying, I, I, and I don't want it to sound cliche, I want you to hear this as truth today, that I am with you in every circumstance. I care. I am always fighting on your behalf. I am always, God is saying, I am always working whatever hard thing you are experiencing or worried about. I am always working it out for good, no matter how dark. Charles Spurgeon says this quote, Anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but it only empties today of its strength. And God is saying, you can be strong in me, no matter what you are facing. The third is that worry is an alert. The great thing about worry, and maybe you've never heard that phrase before, the great thing about worry is that it grabs our attention sometimes to say, something's off, something's not right, something needs to be adjusted in your life. Worry alerts us when we're trying to control everything. It alerts us that we've forgotten, or maybe you haven't even realized yet that there is a God who loves you and is in control. And worry alerts us sometimes when we're living in contradiction to the way God designed us to live. And God is saying, like, turn back to me. I'm trying to get your attention. We're not meant to dwell in, we're not meant to dwell in journey. What am I saying? We're not meant to dwell in worry. But when it begins, we can step back and look at what it might be alerting us to. So here's what I want you to know. And this is where our choices come in. This is where we can make a decision that we'll look back and say, I'm so glad I did. If worry is a battle, we must fight. We can't just give in passively and determine that this is the way of life. We must fight knowing that God is with us. 
We must realize that scripture says over and over to fight worry with thanksgiving. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Thank God for all he has done. Journal. Thank him out loud. Get into community where you thank God for what he is doing. It's like get yourself in those spaces. If worry is based on a lie, we must pursue truth. The amount of alerts and news feeds that are coming to your phone, everything that's like right in our hands so quickly, it's constantly coming at us, images, it's like all of this often feeds the lies that we believe to be true. And so we have to be so persistent to, to put truth into our lives. I want you to just hear these scriptures. I'm going to read them over pretty quickly, but I want you to pick out maybe there's something that needs to wash over you today. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged. First Peter says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Psalm 139 says, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. If you're walking through darkness, let me tell you what you're walking through. It is so bright to Jesus. He can see it all. Jesus never slumbers or sleeps. When you think you can't sleep and you need to be anxious and worried, just go to sleep because God is still working. He doesn't need to sleep. And so it's like sometimes we need to put ourselves in places where we will be reminded of this truth. If worry is an alert, our last thing, we must ask, what does God want me to see? And here is where I love this phrase that Rich Viotis uses. He's a pastor and author that I love to learn from. And he says, we have to approach ourselves with compassionate curiosity. Not with condemnation, not with shame, not with guilt. That is never from Jesus. And say, God, like, this is worry in my life. It's taking over. What are you alerting me to? Where is God trying to get your attention? Where does God want to expand your trust? Where is God continually calling you back to and saying, there is a better way to live. There is more peace. There is more power. There is more energy. There is more freedom. And he's constantly pulling us back to it. And here's what I want you to know. I believe this is so important. First of all, I always want you to hear how much God loves you. And God wants you for yourself to experience freedom from worry and anxiety. But the way God designed us is that it's never just meant to stay with us. And I believe that we, if you follow Jesus, that there is such a responsibility of ours to model for the next generation what it looks like to follow Jesus. And our kids and our students are sinking in anxiety. They are. There is so much that we have put in their hands with this fantastic little thing called the phone that we all have. But we don't understand the gravity. And my, my from eighth grade on up, our kids have a phone. But we're constantly talking about it because we don't understand the gravity of what's coming at them and what's being inputted into their brains and into their minds and into their hearts. And so how we model what it looks like to walk in the freedom of Jesus and to experience what he has designed, like life to the full is what he has designed for us, for our kids, for our students. And we get to model that. We get to model every day what it, cho- what it looks like to choose to follow him.
and so that they see a new way to live. So as the band is here, I just want to pray for us. Like my hope, I, I don't stand here today and tell you that worry is gone, anxiety is gone. I never battle it, but I'm in the fight. And God has given me, God has given me so much more freedom. And I feel like he's given me tools that I know, no, learn your tools. Mine is that I get sent to my room because I need alone time. I have to like get the noise out. I have to go on a walk. I have to put myself in a community like this that is reminding me of his truth where we thank God together. And so know that Jesus is like, I'm in the battle. I'm in the battle with you. It will be gone when we go to heaven and we see Jesus face to face. It will be gone. But right now he's like, come to me, rely on me. There's a better way to live. You will be so glad you did. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just pray for every person in this room. And I don't know who's in here, what's weighing on them. I don't even know like the hopelessness that someone might feel today, like just doubting if they can ever experience freedom. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would be so real and evident and present with us right now that like physically we would feel you with us, wrapping your arms around us and saying, you are my beloved. I can handle this. Whatever you're carrying, give it to me. Lord Jesus, maybe today is the first time that someone chooses to follow your better way, your life to the full. I pray that right now they would just surrender all that they've been holding to you, God. And I pray that we would walk in more and more freedom as you've designed. Amen.